Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Brock in America, featuring Person Noob, a little blast from the past here. When we first recorded that, and I did that, oh, Jack Black esque scatting on a whim, little eight year old at the time, Person Noob uh, was so caught off guard that she was trying to hold back liquid from coming out of her nose. And I don't think she was even drinking anything at the time. So that's a precious memory for us. Ah, uh, memories. You, however, can make it, but whatever you will, it's probably weird. Hey, but the show is full of lots of fun and edumacation. This is a world match mini preview show. We are going to go all over the world looking for the 10 best matches anywhere, club or national team, as we define that. It doesn't matter how small the country or countries might be. If the match is important where it's being played in that league or tournament, it is on our radar. This particular week, we are going to cover matches uh, Friday to Thursday, as always, this time October 13 through 19. Uh, plus, we'll have a sandwich review person noobs uh endangered aminal segment uh, a mini culture break lots of fun in store let's start off diving right in with match number one no friday matches appeared quite paramount to make our final cut of 10 so we are getting things going on saturday no major league soccer matches that we're going to cover this week because decision day the final match day of the regular season is next weekend when lots of uh births and seedings will be established well that weekend is this weekend, Saturday, for the USL Championship, the second division in the United States. That's where we start our global trek. They have two conferences now. They used to have four divisions, but regardless, eight teams from the East and the West will all make the conference postseason, or the overall postseason, I should say. Your matchup, a critical one out west. Number nine, Oakland Roots versus number eight, El Paso Locomotive. El Paso lead Oakland by two points. So Roots have to have a win if they want to keep on playing. They have yet to ever uh, drop a match against this team. They have a 3-1-0 record in their brief history, and they won 1-3 in Texas earlier this season. All right, Oakland were founded in 2018, but they did not start in the championship. They started uh, with a slightly lower organization, I believe considered Tier 3, and that's NISA, NISA. And then they moved up to the championship in 2021. They've been playing their games this year at the uh, Cal State University East Bay campus. I don't think that's a permanent home for them, but I had simply never heard of that particular one. Looked it up, I believe they play uh, Division Three athletics there. Interesting little get. Uh, 2020-21, the fall season, they used to have two different stages in each uh, soccer year. Uh, they won that title, and that's the best season they've ever had. Last year, they finished number seven in the West overall, made the playoffs, got to the conference semifinals here in the championship. 
This year, pretty average stats, some real surprises. They've got the number nine overall goal differential. I'm mildly surprised that they're flirting this hard with making the playoffs. Even at home, I'm not sure I would bet money on them to flat out get a win, though. El Paso's got some good experience. Key players for Oakland. Tied for number three in possessions one in the final or offensive third. This is just a stat I love. Lindo M. Feka, if they lose the ball, he's getting it back. He's from South Africa, attacking midfielder. San Jose Earthquakes have a chance at remembering him. He made one appearance for y'all. He's not even a full-time starter with this particular team, I don't believe, but often does get 50 or 60 minutes a match. And though he is from South Africa, he has spent his entire career here in the U.S., Number one in saves per 90 minutes. Doesn't have the world's greatest save percentage, but he directs his defense excellently. That is Paul Blanchett. MVP for the team on the year probably has been on the left wing, uh, Memo Diaz. He's got three goals, five assists, and he tracks back pretty well on D, even though he's only a, a really a decent tackler at best. Interestingly, the only other team he's played for in his senior career is El Paso. I'm not sure it's uh, recent enough that he's going to be able to give them any super secrets to help them win, but who knows? Teams current forum, they could use a super something. They've lost their last, or rather, they don't have a win anyway, in their last eight matches. They have lost two straight and haven't managed to keep a single clean sheet in their last four matches. All right, now the locomotive El Paso also founded in 2018. Uh, 2018. 22 last year. I believe they finished number eight in the West overall, number two in their conference. They made the conference quarterfinals. Uh, this year, their offense and defense is even worse than Oakland's. It's uh, statistically, you would call them very lucky. Uh, you know, El Paso fans would probably say they're gritty and gutty. They, when they win, they win by a couple goals. And when they lose, they always lose by just the one. They actually only have Eight losses. That is the third fewest in the Western Conference. So they've just had a few too many draws to be much higher. Key player to look for. There is one name to know on this team. Well, two, I guess. Yeah, let's go with that. Anyway, number three in clean sheets on the year. The guy that really impresses me. He's got 10 of those. That's Benny Diaz from Mexico. He's only number 18 on save percentage. That is not his strength. But once again, that's not the only thing with goalkeeping. He's excellent with his feet, and he directs his defense well. He's actually on loan here, not on contract. He plays with uh, officially for uh, Tijuana in Liga MX. And the last club that he played for was Oakland Roots. Interesting. It's like they had a little swap. MVP, in my opinion, on the team has probably been our Australian central midfielder, Liam Rose. He's only got one goal and one assist, but he's a great passler and tackler. Pretty good dribbler. Tacks well, uh, tracks back well on defense. He's more of a defensive midfielder than anything. Team's current form, they're 1-1-1 in their last three, but with just a 3-6 and six goal differential. Match number B. We'll be on Saturday matches for a little bit. I'll let you know when to flip the calendar page, but we are going to log some frequent flyer miles, head across the pond to England. Their FA Cup is going on. It is in the fourth qualifying round, which is really truly the sixth qualifying round overall. We'll get into that confusion another time. Newer fans to the sport who have found us because of the noobness in our name. Uh, if you're not familiar with an FA Cup, here's what it is. Uh, in pretty much every country in the world, they have their league seasons or, you know, season professionally. And then played alongside that typically in the calendar is a separate tournament involving 
the same teams plus a lot more in England. They go all the way down to the 10th division in their football pyramid. They're playing a knockout tournament, and the winner of this one is going to get to go to the Europa League, the second best international club tournament in England. Now, back here at the fourth qualifying round, we're dealing with teams that are just trying to go on a magical run as uh, giant killers or slayers. Minnows is what they would call them there. And we like to pick the minnow with the best chance of winning each and every round. And if they win, we'll continue following them. All right, let's get into it. The key matchup we picked, Cray Valley Paper Mills versus Enfield Town. Don't worry if you haven't heard of either of them. I really wasn't familiar with them other than the name either. No real surprise here. Cray Valley, who are getting to host, they won the coin toss. They are known as the Millers. Uh, they play out of Eltham, which is in the east-southeast Greater London Metro. It's in the border... Uh, it's in the borough, rather, of Greenwich, if you have any familiarity with uh, the greater London area, that'll help. Uh, Eldham's got about 90,000 people. Unfortunately, uh, one of the things it's been more famous for in recent decades was they had a lot of racial tension-related issues, uh, particularly in the 80s and 90s. It was very much known as a sundown town. If you were a person of any sort of color, uh, it behooved you for your own safety to uh, not be out after dusk. Um, hoping and trusting that things have changed for the better out there. Nothing too unusual about the crisp, but I do like when I see Latin on there, and they have Expatol Auras on theirs, which I think loosely translates to aspire to gold, like a gold standard, I suppose. They play in the Isthmian League, hard for me to say, Southeast Division, that is the eighth tier. So they would have to win their league seven straight years and keep getting moved up in order to be in the Premier League, for example. They are one of only five Tier 8 teams to have advanced this far in the competition. They are hosting this event at Badgers Sports Ground, which, give you a little comparison, uh, imagine what an NFL sta you know, you know, stadium looks like, and you know, that's the Premier League. This place is a covered area kind of on one side, and then a 100-seat stand on the other, and that is it. 2020-21 was the last time they were in this event. They reached uh, the first round proper. That is an amazing run. Uh, this year, they entered all the way back at the preliminary round, which is really the second qualifying round. There was what they call an extra preliminary round with a handful of teams, which was really the first qualifying round. Why are they making counting so difficult, England? I don't need your help getting confused. Do that on my own. They advanced last round over a team that was a step up higher than them, uh, Tier 7, um, Carshalton or Carshalton Athletic. Not sure of the pronunciation. The first match, they actually played 3-3 at uh, Carshalton, and then that means that they had to have a replay. They go to the other team's place, and at their own house, CVP won 2-1, and so here they are. They finished number six in their league last year, just to give you some idea of what they were like. They're only three matches into the current season, so it's hard to take too much of what it is. But it appears to be a high-scoring league, or they're a very high-scoring team at least. They've got a 12-versus-six gold differential. Go Millers, go Paper People. Yeah, that's the team we're rooting for. All right, nothing wrong with uh, Enfield Town, though. Uh, they play about, uh, Enfield is about 10 miles north of downtown London area of, oh, maybe 160,000, probably most famous for having the world's first ATM. Yeah, kind of cool. Not sure why I was put there. They are known as the Towners in one of the least creative <laughs> namings I have ever seen. 
but they make up for it on their crest. Their crest has an heraldic, uh, a quasi-heraldic thing. You can't find it in a lot of the books, but it appears everywhere in this area, the Enfield Beast. And it's a, it's ugly and atrocious. It has the head of a fox, four legs, like have an eagle's talons, and then the chest of a greyhound dog, and the body of a lion, and the hindquarters and tail of a wolf. If you look at all kinds of official books, they're not really sure where this came from or why, but it is out there and is prominent enough these days to at least have a name. Yikes, it's not good. Fourth qualifying round is tied for the furthest that this club has ever been. So if they manage to get a road win, then good on them. They will have achieved their best ever run. They advanced over fellow tier seven team, uh, tier seven team Halezo in town last round one to two on the road. Uh, they play in the Istamian League as well, but that league has multiple divisions. Uh, I mentioned that Cray Valley play in the southeast, one of the regional ones. Well, there is a single premier division under this league's umbrella. Enfield Town play in that one. Currently, they are number seven out of the 22 in league play, and they've got um, one to two matches in hand versus the clubs that are ahead of them. So they are very strong right now on the year. Uh, Their offense, uh, it's not really where their bread gets buttered. They're getting one and three quarters goals per match, but that's barely average in this league. They are, however, tied for second best on defense, giving up only one goal per match. I find it hard to uh, guess or translate how that might make this team look. Even though they're on the road, I think Enfield will be able to uh, control the pace. I suspect that they will get a slew of goals, but time will tell. And now it's time for Person Person Noob Sandwich Review. Remember, if it ends in a double O, you got to put a B on it. It's been a long time. I am so glad that you reminded me of that, that we had not done a sandwich review in a long time. Why do we do these? What do they have to do with soccer? Nothing. Do we do it anyway? Yeah. We sure do. Let's talk about a sandwich. All right. We don't have a sandwich in front of us we're going to eat. We're very full, but what did we get full on earlier today? Burgers. From? Freddy's. Who sponsor us for how much money? Zero dollars. Nevertheless, we're going to talk about them because that's the most recent sandwich we've had. And yes, of course, hamburgers are a sandwich. Hot dogs are not a sandwich, and we will have that argument another time if you or anybody else feels otherwise, person new. Okay. All right. We both had burgers. So tell me about your sandwich that you had for dinner today. It was delicious. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, you seem kind of non excited about it before. What did you have at Freddy's? Um, the number one with no cheese and no um, onions. So regular burger. Now, you were concerned when you got it that yeah. it had cheese on it, but what was, uh, what did it turn out the issue was? It was mustard. And apparently, the cheese was actually white. And the mustard was yellow, and I thought the cheese was supposed to be yellow, but it was really white. But you didn't have cheese on yours, did you? I know, I, I know, but I saw your, 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 you guys's, and it had cheese, but it was white. Oh, my cheese was white because it was pepper jack. All right, so uh, what is our what is our scale going to be for number of noobs? So what is the maximum number of noobs a sandwich can get for this review? Five. Five. How many noobs do you give your Freddy's number one sandwich? Three and a half noobs. That's a pretty good sandwich. All right. I also um, was at Freddy's, of course, before we went to the skating rink and then out for ice cream afterwards. And I'm so full. I didn't have room in my tummy to do a new sandwich review. I had the reason my cheese was white was because uh, I don't know what it was called, but I had something with jalapenos and with pepper jack cheese. The pepper jack cheese was uh, 
uh, heavy on the jack, light on the pepper. I don't know where the jack is supposed to be, but it was not particularly spicy, even with the jalapenos. I can barely tell. And it's not like I'm a monster for hot stuff. So I was hoping for something a little bit spicier. I will also say that Freddy's is not my favorite burger preparation place. I'm sure the ingredients are fine, but the patties tend to be kind of thin. It looks like it's smushed together ground beef instead of a true hamburger patty. But that said, it was, you know, it was tasty enough. So I'll I'll give this I'll give the sandwich two and a quarter noobs out of five. A little spicier and it could have gotten up to average. And I'm, I'm judging fairly harshly there, but I'll admit some bias. Um they used to, they've got a patty melt and used to be able to add mushrooms to it, but they no longer have, as a franchise, not just our local one, they no longer have mushrooms. And so uh, they have become uh, a subject of my ire and, and consternation that I've waggled my finger at them figuratively uh, for many a month now, ever since they dropped mushrooms. Your thoughts? I don't like mushrooms. Oh, that's right. So you're probably fine with that. Okay, so... You, you rated yours, I rated mine, and this has been Person Noob Sandwich Review. Match number three. We'll move over to the continent now for Europe for the UEFA European Championships Qualifications Group Stage. The Euros are going to be next year. They're having a major qualification tournament now. There's lots of ways to get into the Euros. It all gets very confusing, so I'll try to keep it. Very simple for here. They're they're over halfway through the group stage, groups of five or six. They're playing double round robins. The top two from each of these groups automatically qualifies for the European Championships next year. The group that looked most interesting to me is the one that is currently led by Slovenia, and they are going to be hosting number three, Finland. Uh, Taking a look at the table there, Slovenia, 13 points. Denmark also at 13. They're just down a little bit on goal differential, and that's got to be your favorite probably on paper. And then Finland and Kazakhstan are both just one point back with 12. So like I said, interesting group indeed. Uh, The History between these two is pretty brief. I think they've only played three times ever. Finland won two of those. Slovenia won once. Earlier this group stage, Finland won 2-0 in Oslo. You can catch this particular match on FS2 here in the States at noon on Saturday. Or if you want a Spanish language uh, broadcast, you can tune in to VIX streaming service. All right, Slovenia, let's talk about them first. They ranked number 59 worldwide by FIFA. The best they were ever ranked was back in 2010. They reached number 15. Here in UEFA, they're pretty much smack dab in the middle of the coefficients. They're ranked number 25. That means they were drawn out of pot three for the group stage. Basically what that means, newer fans, is on paper they are expected to finish in third. So right now they are outdoing that. The only time they ever qualified for the actual European Championships or for the, uh, yes, for the European Championships was in 2010, and they didn't get any farther from the group stage. That's where you start there. Uh, And yet they have qualified twice for the World Cup 2002 and 2010. Neither time did they get past the group stage. 
The most recent European event that they've competed in and completed was the 2022-23 Nations League. They finished in third place in their group of four in the middle of the three sub-leagues, if you will, within that event, League B. And they only won one match, so they have really improved. They are 4-1-1 one, one so far in this event. Uh, the defense is okay. They're giving up a goal per match. That's a little bit uh, worse than average, but they're the only team in the group getting only two goals per match. And so on paper, statistically, they now look like one of the two favorites. I think they're going to advance. Key player to look for on the uh, team event scoring leaderboard. He's got three. That is Andraj uh, Sporar. He is a forward who plays for Greek club, a really good one, uh, Panathinaikos. Best club he's probably ever played for was Sporting CP, one of the th big three over in Portugal. He's made almost 50 national team appearances, and he's got 10 goals. They are captained by a name that everybody knows pretty much, unless you're a brand new fan. Even I know it. Jan Hoblek is the goalkeeper for Real Madrid. He's made 60 national team appearances nearly over the last decade plus. Uh, if you want to really look for a certain style from him as you're watching the game, newer fans, uh, watch how often he comes up off of his line to collect crosses. He is very aggressive. Team's current form, they're 2-1-0 in their last three with an impressive 9-3 goal differential. Although it's worth noting that those wins were over the two teams in this group we haven't mentioned, Northern Ireland and Microstate uh, San Marino. And now Finland, they are known as the Eagle Owls. That is a hyphenated aminal name. And yes, it is a real one. Uh, their UEFA rank is number 21. They were drawn from pot number two, meaning, yes, you're putting it together, that they are slated uh, or predicted to finish in second place on paper. Their FIFA rank is number 54. Best they've ever achieved, 2007 when they were number 33. 2020 uh, was the first time they ever qualified for the European Championships. They didn't get out of the group stage, though. 2022-23 Nations League, once again, the most recently completed European tournament. They also played in one of the groups in League B. They finished in second place, went going 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. They are 4-0-2 in this event, and uh, they are really shining on defense. They've only given up four goals in the six matches. Their offense is pretty average. I think that they are going to go through as well. I am making a prediction that Denmark are somehow going to find themselves in third place. Yeah. I wouldn't bet the mortgage on it, though. Uh, team scoring leaderboard with three for this event is uh, Oliver Antman. He is a midfielder, just 22 years old, who is currently with uh, uh, Norgeland uh, in Denmark, though. Uh, well, that's who he's on contract with. He's actually playing on loan with a pretty good second division Belgian side called uh, Groningen. I, I pronounced that differently last time, and the management had a good time telling me that I was only sort of close, but he never told me how to pronounce it. So there you go, the management. Am I doing any better? Probably not, because I still didn't look it up. Also on the scoring leaderboard with three is Daniel Hawkins. He's also 22 years old, plays out on the wing. He's currently with Norwegian side Valerenga. He's made only a couple of national team appearances ever, and they were both this year. They are captained by their goalkeeper, veteran Lucas Radecki. He plays for German top flight club Bayer Leverkusen. And we've got a bunch of USA uh, 
connections on this particular one. Yeri Euronen, he plays defender for Charlotte in Major League Soccer. Leo, Leo Valsanon, who's a defender for Austin. Uh, Robert Taylor, midfielder over at Inter-Miami. And then uh, the big one is Timu Puki, their vice captain. He plays forward for Minnesota United. He's an uh, international star of some renown. Team's current form, their 0-1 loss to Denmark's recently uh, snapped a four-match winning streak. Match number four. Off to our third confederation we go, and we're going to slide over to the women's side of things as well for the Copa Libertadores Femenina, which has reached its quarterfinals. Newer fans, I'll break that down. Other places, they call the top club tournament the Champions League here. It's called the Copa Libertadores Femenina. It's, of course, the women's side. If you didn't know that one, I really don't know how to help you. The whole thing is being hosted in Colombia, which is much different than what happens typically on the men's side of things. 16 teams are participating. They were divided into four groups of four and the top two advanced. Once again, we're in the quarterfinal. Your matchup, uh, this first, what will sound like pair of teams is just one team. Atletico Nacional Formas Intimas, and they are a Colombian side, and they are uh, playing host to uh, Universidad de Chile. The winners will get to play either uh, Palmeiras from Brazil or Olympia de Paraguay. Uh, Atletico Nacional, that club, and notice I'm leaving out the other part of the name here. Uh, they are known as the Purse Lanes, type of plant, if memory serves. Meanwhile, Forma Intimas, uh, they're a club that I'm not even sure technically still exists on its own. They've had partnerships with a couple of other teams. I know they played independently at one point. And if Formas Intimas sounds like women's clothing, it is. It's actually the, the name of a, a, a chain store, I believe, uh, down there. Uh, 2013, when they were on their own, they finished second place in the Women's Champions League. Not sure why they're not still pursuing things on their own uh, at this time. Uh, both teams are from Medellin, and uh, that is the second biggest city in the country, uh, two and a half million plus in the city proper. And it is a wonderful area. Uh, culturally, I'll tell you, uh, the culture there is known as uh, Paisa, which is sort of supposed to be uh, Spanish, uh, you know, gentlemanly and gentle uh, womanly. It takes a lot of European Spanish culture and, and keeps it there. It's somewhat isolated. And they are an absolute world model when it comes to public transportation. There were some majorly isolated and poor areas in this overall metro, and they have spent a lot of money, and it has paid off and then some in terms of what they're contributing to GDP and just the general uh, social well-being in this city. Very popular one. They are competing in Group A of the two group of uh, the four groups here, and they are currently in second place. They've got a 2 0 and 1 record with a 9 and 6 goal differential. That's second best on the offense and defense. Uh, they qualified for this event as the best 2023 Colombian top flight league team that didn't win either of the two uh, stages within the season, the Apertura or Clausura, opening or closing. And in fact, most countries don't get three teams. If this were being hosted anywhere other than Colombia, Colombia would only get two berths and this team wouldn't even be in. So it is really something that they're in a position to advance potentially. And by the way, their top flight in that country, uh, the Liga Di Mayor, is the third most highly rated one on the women's side at all of Conmebol. 
And now Universidad de Chile, they are known as the Lioness. Longer time listeners will know just how I feel about lions as mascots in soccer, especially when it's in an area where lions are not endemic. Uh, But at least they go with the singular. That's a little bit original. Team plays out of the capital city of, or the major city of Santiago. They had to play in something of a playoff. It was a little confusing. They qualified for this event by beating the 2023 league first stage third best club. And that earned them this league's overall second and final uh, Copa Libertadores berth. So in other words, they just slid in. And by the way, Chile's league is a pretty good one. They're rated second best in all of Conmebol. It's not like Argentina and Brazil completely dominate this continent, like on the men's side. Best they've ever done in this event, 2021, the team made the semifinal. Match number five. Our final Saturday match is another one from the women's side of things in Denmark, where the top flight is called the Kavinda Liga. This is the seventh-ranked league in all of Europe for the women. So two of their teams will get to go to next year's Champions League. It's very early in the season. They're only about a quarter of the way through. Nevertheless, your key matchup, number B, Kolding, versus number one, uh, Nordschland. And uh, let's see. Nordschland lead Kolding by one point in the table. Meanwhile, Kolding, they lead number three, HB. I'm not sure if it's Kog or Koj, K-O-G-E, by two points. The series between these two has been very even the last few seasons. Each has a 6-3-6 and six record. Now, since it's so early in the season there, this seems like a great opportunity for us to take our break and let Person Noob take over for the subject and segment that is near and dear to her heart. This is Animals, Animals, Animals from around the world. What are you stepping on? What's Oh, that's a cat making that crinkling noise. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's he's, just life happening behind tiny. us. He's just tiny. He's not that tiny. He's a chonky kitty. He's, Am he's, I using that word correctly? Yeah. Chonky? He's about that size, oh, isn't yeah. he? All right. You want me to hold him while you uh, while we do your endangered animal segment? All right. So, uh, so for Denmark, what is... The animal that is from or included around that area that you were going to talk about today. The Eurasian otter. Ooh, cool. Now, do you remember what Eurasian means? It means European and Asian. Mm-hmm. Are those the only two continents on which you find this animal? Um, no, you can find them in Northwest Africa. That's right, the Maghreb region. All right, so it sounds like it's not t- doing too badly. What is its overall status? Near threatened. So that's only the... Uh, that's the second best, actually, from what I understand, from the ICUN or IUCN, whatever the major body is that deals with those things. Nevertheless, it's doing better in some areas than in others, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where is it doing well? Um, uh, it's doing better um, uh, further Western Europe. So better in Western Europe than uh, more Central Europe. And I can tell you from my own research that there are some areas where this thing used to thrive in Asia. And I mean all over Asia. And it's doing badly all over that continent. All right. What can you tell us about it? Um, it's brown on top and cream on the bottom. It has a shorter neck and a wider face than the North American otter. Uh, and it averages around three feet long plus the tail. Um, and it Usually it weighs 20 pounds. 20 pounds. Okay, yes. I can tell you that it is, uh, I've seen both. It is a longer and sleeker one than the American otter, which looks more to me like a little tiny seal mm-hmm. or something. So, pretty cool. What does it eat? 
Um, uh, mostly it's fish. Uh, we'll eat amphibians, birds, and small badgers. Hmm, what's one of the coolest things about it that we discovered? Part of hunting, uh, maybe it's underwater smell. Yeah, it's, uh, scientists, as I understand it, are still in the process of determining if it can smell underwater or smell well enough that it aids in the hunting, but it's only, I think, been fairly recently that they've strongly suspected that, and apparently that's a, you know, a fairly rare trait in animals, as I understand it. What else can you tell us about their uh, habitats and how they operate within them? Have territories, though those males and females may overlap. Okay, so males stay separate from one another. Females have their own territories, but sometimes they share parts of their territories with with other other guys or girls, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. What else? Um, if a pair have pups, uh, the female territory will be surrounded by the male territory. Gotcha. So they sort of merge. The female will give up any territory that's not in the the husband's territory. Okay, very, very interesting. What are the sorts of things that threaten these? Um, uh, other threats, uh, uh, well, it was PCB chemicals and bad pesticides. That's right. PCB chemicals are actually illegal in a lot of parts of the world now. And uh, here in the western part of the world, we've been getting rid of or using a lot less of the pesticides uh, that are bad for those animals. And by we, I mean over in Europe, but I think it's the same over here in the States and therefore affecting creatures like the North American otters in a good way, getting rid of those. So that's why they're doing better over here than in some other parts of the world, isn't it? Yep. And now perhaps the coolest part of the endangered animal segment, it's where Person Noobs looks at baby animal pictures. It works even though it's an audio forecast. She hasn't seen these before until right now. Describe any of them that you're seeing that you like best. Cute, 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 cute. They're like little ferrets, aren't they? Yeah, they're much more skinny and ferret-like. Yeah, that very first one. What do you think he's thinking? He's so cute. You think he knows how cute he is? What about this one? This was a favorite of mine. He's a little baby. Super tiny baby. What's he drinking out of? Yeah, and it's a little tiny one. It's compressed almost all the way, and his little eyes are shut. Are there any other ones that stand out here to you that you want to describe? And what are they looking at? They're looking at the camera and something else. Yeah, and their heads, their chins are all on a piece of wood, aren't they? <laughs> out, in their, out in their natural habitats. <gasps> I am overcome with acuteness as well. How about you? I want a pet of Eurasian <laughs> otter. Give me a pet Eurasian otter. Maybe we can move over to Denmark and find them. I want a Eurasian otter. I want oh. two. I want three. These I want are eight. so cute that for the first time, I'm going to say about what could be a hypothetically edible animal. I don't. I don't. I don't want to eat it. It's too cute. It's too cute. It's too cute. Maybe a grown up one. No. No eating otters. And that's the lesson for today, kids. And this has been Animals from Around the World. No, kitties, we did not bring you any food back from Freddy's. Oh, you want a recap of last week's matches? Oh, that's what that's about. Okay. Last week, match number one was a Friday match for the NWSL. It was number six, O.L. Rain versus number five, Washington Spirit. They played to a nil-nil draw. No change in the table there. 
Match number B was the 2022 delayed Asian Games women's football final between number one seeded Japan and unseeded North Korea. Japan whooped up four to one. Key players we said to look for were the stars of the day. Haruka Osawa got a goal for Japan, as did Raymina Chiba for North Korea. Kim Kyung Yong had their goal. Saturday match number three for Major League Soccer. Our feature match there, number nine in the West, Dallas versus number eight, San Jose. They played to a 1-1 draw. No change along the playoff line there either. Match number four, the Australia FA Cup final. Sydney FC playing at home. They took on Brisbane War and uh, Roar and defended their home turf 3-1. Guy we said to look for for the Roar had their lone goal, and that was Thomas Wadding. Match number five from the Commonwealth Women's Champions League group stage. But we just let you know that that event was going on. We didn't actually do a match. Match number six was the Sunday match from England's Premier League. Number three, Arsenal versus number one, Man City. Arsenal won 1-0 and moved them up to second place and knocked City down to number three at the time. Match number seven from the Venezuelan Primera División. Number five, Kirabobo versus number four, Caracas for the last spot from this league in the next Copa Libertadores. They played to a 1-1 draw, meaning Caracas are the ones that advance to the final stage and get to go on to the Copa Libertadores. Uh, for Caracas, Ade Ogans had the goal, and Carlos Sosa had a penalty cut goal. He was the offensive star we mentioned for Carabobo. Wednesday, match number eight from the UEFA Women's Champions League, second qualifying round. First leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Slavia, Prague, they absolutely brought the heat against Romania's new Olympia Cluj. Uh, beat them 5-0. Thursday, match number nine for the European Championships Qualification Tournament, Albania versus Czech Republic. Albania continues to impress. They got a 3-0 win. I don't care that that's at home. That's a huge. While they stay number one, uh, Czech Republic moved down to number three in that group. Match number 10 from the CONCACAF Nations League. Number one, uh, St. Lucia versus number B, Guadalupe. St. Lucia, 2-1 win. Could they make it two promotions in a row within the CONCACAF Nation Leagues in successive tournaments? They're getting closer. Route uh, The route of the week, uh, the first of our three bonus matches with explanations coming later was from the Apertura stage of the Primera División of El Salvador. Number 12, Santa Tecla versus number one, Aguila. They played to a 2-2 draw. Turned out no route after all for Aguila. Carlos Salazar had the brace. Both their goals, no change in the table there. The most meaningless match in the world was from Slovenia's first league, a Saturday match between number five, Marabor, hosting number six, Mira. Marabor got the win 3-1. Uh, their star, Darden Shabanhakshaj, had a goal. Marabor move up to number four now. And finally, your uh, match of disappointment, the Sunday match from Denmark. Number 11, Belia versus number 12, Vido. Belia got the win, three to one. No change in the table there. Uh, the MDPs, let's look at them, the most disappointing players for each team we pointed out amongst their starters. For Velia, uh, Jason Ossenhound was not even in the lineup. And for Vido, uh, Jonas Jemmer had, uh, he was the lowest rated, according to the foot mob application that I like, of the midfielders for either of the two teams. And appropriately, they brought him off in the 34th minute for stinking out loud. That concludes your mat- your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. And now that we are halfway through our main 10 mini previews for the show, you can flip your calendar to Sunday. Match number six brings us back closer to home 
to our region, CONCACAF, where they're having a tournament called the Nations League, which is still in its group stage. Newer fans, the Nations League, while it involves all the countries from all over our region of North America, the Caribbean, and Central America, this is not our official championships, although it is an official event. This is one that just gets played in the off years. Our big one is called the Gold Cup. This particular event, like the European one, is divided actually into multiple leagues, in our case, three leagues based mostly on ability and a little bit on some specific past results. So all the best ones are in League A, and that's where we're going to go. The top four teams, um, U.S., Mexico, Canada, and Costa Rica, all got buys, don't have to play the group stage at all. So this is the next best group of teams, three groups of six to be precise. Each team, though, is only going to play four matches, not even a full single round robin. They're using a Swiss system, basically. It means that on paper they're all playing uh, an, equal, an equal schedule in terms of the other team's abilities. The top two from each of these groups will move on to the finals, which is where the four teams that have buys await them, the knockout portion of the tournament. Group stage, it's getting pretty close to done. Your matchup in the particular group we're going to look at in League A is uh, currently third place Honduras versus second place, mildly surprising, Cuba. Here's a look at the table. Jamaica lead this group with four points. Cuba have four as well, are behind them on goal differential. Honduras have three, and Haiti lurk just behind at two. Series between these two, they haven't played a whole bunch, but Honduras have won all three or at least the last three. And uh, Paramount Plus has been picking up a lot of the matches for this tournament. You can catch this one 8 o'clock Sunday night, Eastern Time. Honduras, they are known as the Catrachos, which is a Central American slang for the Hondurans. It's uh, one of uh, very historical, uh, historically based national pride. The team is ranked number 77 by FIFA, the best they've ever been. Back in 2001, they cracked the top 20 in the entire world. They're currently ranked number nine in CONCACAF. That puts them uh, right about the middle or just below the middle, even of the Central American teams. Internationally, their best result back in 1991, they won the official championship, the Gold Cup. Most recently, 2021, they made the quarterfinals. In one of the more recent national leagues, uh, it's not that, uh, it's a fairly new event. 2019-20, they finished number three in their group in League A going 3-2-1. So they're used to having some success at this level. In this event, they've got a four against one goal differential. Uh, that four, uh, th th everybody's been playing things close to the vest. That's the number one offense in that group. Tied for number one in event scoring uh, with just one other player, a pair of goals. That's Edwin Rodriguez, key for them. He plays for their domestic top flight club, Olympia, on the right wing. Uh, he's earned almost uh, two dozen national team uh, caps since 2019. We've got some USA connections here. As you would imagine, uh, we've got Andy Nahar. He's the most experienced defender on the team. He plays for Major League Soccer's DC United. Uh, Daniel Maldonado, he's a defender for LAFC. And then Brian Acosta is one of their uh, most overall experienced players. Uh, and he plays for Portland. You've also got uh, Kevin Aranga and Joseph Rosales, both midfielders from Minnesota United. And David Ruiz, a midfielder from Inter Miami, a who's who of pretty decent major league club players. Teams current form 1-1-1 one, one, and one in this event and a single friendly in their last three. 
And now the team I know far less about. Let's learn together. Cuba. They are known as, oh, here we go again. The Lions of the Caribbean. There aren't lions in the Caribbean. Who do I write my strongly worded letter to? Who do I write a strongly worded letter to about this? I will waggle my finger sternly at someone. Figuratively on paper. Uh, the team is currently ranked number 169 in FIFA. They cracked the top 50 back in 2006. They're currently the 13th ranked national team in CONCACAF. That puts them uh, number four in the Caribbean, which is pretty good considering they're one of the island countries that doesn't have a fully professional uh, league. They are uh, high-end up-and-comers, if you will. Uh, in this year's Gold Cup, they made the group stage, but they went winless there. Couldn't even get a draw, in fact. They did finish number four in that event once, but you got to go all the way back to 1971 when they were uh, pretty good on this scene. 2022-23 Nations League, they went 5-0-1 and got promoted up from League B. So the fact that they're uh, looking to make the finals or the knockout stage here in League A so quickly is really impressive. They're 1-1-0 in the event with a 1-0 goal differential. Biggest scoring threat they have, in my opinion, is probably their guy that plays for uh, one of the big Costa Rican clubs, uh, Costa Rican clubs, rather, Saprisa, and that is attacking midfielder Lu- uh, Luis uh, Paradella or Paradella, rather. Uh, he's got uh, over 30 national team appearances since 2018. Despite not playing a purely forward position, uh, he's already got almost double digit goals. American fans have a chance to recognize him. He made a few appearances with the now defunct Reno 1968 club that played in the USL championship. USA Connections here. Uh, You're going to find they're of a different type, and and that's why you have to say, oh, this is why Cuba is an underdog. Uh, Modesto uh, Mendez, he is a defender for Inter Miami's reserve team. Jorge Corrales, he plays for USL championship side Tulsa as a defender. Uh, Raiko Erosarena, he's a goalkeeper for the Tampa Bay Rowdies in the Eastern Conference of the championship as well. So they're not littered with any uh, major league caliber players. It's a full step down. Team's current form, well, before this event, they had lost five straight between the Gold Cup and friendlies with a three against 12 goal differential. Gotta think that even though they're doing decently so far in this event, that they're severe underdogs to the Hondurans this day. Match number seven. More Sunday action, and we're going to get our second second division match in, and it's going to be once again in North America. Say hello to Mexico's Liga de Expansión. It replaced in name the Liga de Ascenso two years ago. Second division in Mexico, right below Liga MX. Its creation said to help stabilize second division Mexican soccer. So, quite frankly, it just doesn't disappear. Uh, To that end, they're not doing any promotion or relegation with the first or third tiers until at least 2026. That's when they'll revisit it. There are 15 teams participating this year. The top 10 will make the playoffs. This is the Apostura stage, by the way, of the 2023-24 season, and it's about two-thirds through the single round robin that they're playing. Your matchup, number three, Atletico La Paz versus number B, Maneros de Zacatecas. At the time I scouted it uh, first a few days ago, this was part of a three-way tie for first place. Things have changed a little bit. Let's look at the table. UDG, they're the team in first place now with 23 points. Uh, Maneros and Atletico La Paz, they both have 20. They're still tied. There are also two other clubs at 19. And uh, by the way, Moneros, they're a team with a serious advantage. They have a match in hand on both of the teams on either side of them. 
You can watch this one, by the way. It's going to be a Spanish-language stream on VIX. 11.05 is the kickoff late Sunday night, Eastern Time Zone. All right, La Paz. They're based in uh, La Paz is the capital of Baja, California, Sur, about 250,000. Pretty close to where uh, Andy and Red ended up uh, moving to probably after they uh, broke out of uh, Shawshank Prison. Big ecotourism area, especially the seaside resorts that are called uh, Balnearios. I would love to rent one of those for an anniversary sometime. This is a pretty new club, at least in its current form, founded in April of last year. But basically, this is the former longer standing tier three team, Mazroqueros FC. The owner moved them up. They've got a bunch of players from that team, the coaches from that team. Simply move them up to fill an open space. 2022-23 Clausura, the last completed stage uh, that was earlier this calendar year, they finished in 16th. Yeah, last place. They're doing much better right now. Not on the defensive side. They're giving up almost two goals per match, but they do have a top four offense getting one and two thirds. Uh, I think it's only a coin flip that this team Boy, I don't know how they're this high. They've got tied for the number 10 goal differential. I mean, it's late enough in the season. They're clearly going to make the playoffs, but you've got to see a slide coming for a team with this poor defense at some point. I was going to say they're not going to make the playoffs, but that feels unrealistic at this stage. They'll be in in some capacity. They have three players that are tied for the team lead, all with three goals each. Uh, Luis Perez, Ulises Jaimes, and Michel Benitez. Teams current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, although maybe the slide has just begun. They just lost 4-0 at number eight, uh, Tepetitlan. All right, and now a team that impresses me a little bit more overall, uh, Mineros de Zacatecas. They are named so because the city was founded on its silver mining. It's also a big livestock grading area. Uh, it is the capital, Zacatecas, of a city or, or rather a state of the same name in central Mexico. City's got about 150,000. Fairly young club founded in 2014. 2022-23 Clausura, they finished in seventh place. So they got into the playoffs, but no further than the quarterfinals. This team's defense is a little bit above average, but the offense is where they shine. They are number one in that regard, getting over two and a third goals per match. They've got the second best overall goal differential. This is a team that I fully expect to uh, stay at the top two and get a bye into the semifinals. I like their chances here on the road. Key player to look for with them, number one league scorer with an even 10 is Luis Razo, their center forward. And this team is 3-1-0 in their last four. Match number eight. Our final weekend match brings us back to the States and to the women's side of the ball one more time. It is the nation's women's Super League, NWSL, the top flight here in the States. Last match day of the regular season. Truth be told, there aren't any really great matchups, and that's surprising because it's only a 12-team league and the top six get into the playoffs. You would have to think that there's a match short of a major upset that would have some effect on who's getting in and who's not, but that's not really the case. Though the best looking matchup seems to be just in terms of seeding number five, Washington spirit versus number three, North Carolina courage. The standings are very tight all the way around. So either of these teams could end up in the, uh, you know, getting a buy for the home round or finishing low enough to make the playoffs, but not get a buy. 
The two of them, by the way, are tied with number four, New Jersey, New York, Gotham City on points. I wish they would just shorten that to Gotham. The rest seems a little silly. Uh, one thing we know that's true for sure is that uh, none of them can catch number two San Diego Waves. So the top two, the two that are getting by straight to the semifinals are set. Virtually everything else is up for grabs. In fact, all the way down to Houston Dash in 10th place, uh, all the teams are alive for the playoff berths yet. This particular match, Washington or North Carolina, you can catch on Paramount Plus at 5 p.m. But this is the time of show where we like to uh, veer away from the soccer a little bit and take a culture break. I actually remember to eat before broadcasting today. So instead of a six or a seven minute uh, food history and uh, recipe segment, just going to give you a short little bit on trivia relating to where the match is being held, Washington, D.C. Something kind of randomish that I discovered that I didn't know before that back in World War II, there was no company called J Company nor is there a J Street in Washington, D.C., even though you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, and then K, and so on. At the very least, because uh, there's no World War II J Company for this reason, and I think the streets are the same way, is because back when all these sorts of namings were taking place, and not old English like O-L-D-E, capital O English, but in older English, the fonts at the time, the I and the J looked so similar that in both cases, it was simply decided that it was better uh, to have an I and then just forego the J and, you know, and let that be the convention. So if you're ever in D.C. or if you're a history buff and can't find anything regarding the letter J for these things, well, now you know why. Match number nine. After all that weekend tracking, you get Monday off from the main 10, but we're back at it on Tuesday. Match number nine takes us for the first time this episode to Asia for the AFC World Cup qualifying first qualifying round, the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Let's unpack that a little bit, particularly for newer fans. AFC is the Asian Football Confederation. you got your World Cup coming up in 2026. They're already doing the qualifying things for that. These will be held on and mostly off for quite a long time over the next uh, two and a half years. They're in the first qualifying round. That speaks for itself. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Each of these pairs of teams had to play each other at the other's home field. The juiciest looking matchup to our eyes looked like number 45, Guam. Yes, one of the lowest teams in the AFC rankings. But here they are, still with a chance, uh, getting to host number 33, Singapore. Singapore won the first match 2-1. to one. Guam pulled a goal back in the 91st minute to keep this thing essentially alive. They're still going to be severe underdogs even at home, but hey, they weren't getting killed when they were in Singapore. They've got a chance here, and what a mighty upset it would be. There's only one team with a lower ranking than Guam in the AFC, and that is Sri Lanka. Let's talk about them first since they're hosting. They are known as the Noblemen, a very unique Nickname, I like that. They are FIFA ranked number 201. Uh, they did crack the one top 150 once, so that was in uh, 2015. They have never, as you would imagine, qualified for the World Cup or the Asian Championships known as the AFC Asian Cup, or even qualified for the group stage of the EAFF, which is essentially the Southeast Asian Cup. They are lowly indeed. 
the most recent competition proper or group stage that I qualified for was back in 2011, and that was merely the Pacific Games, formerly called the South Pacific Games, which tells you this was largely islands in that region of the world, not any great big countries anyway. And in that, they went 1-1-3, one, one, and three, but at least they got a win. 1998, they played in the Micronesian Games, very similar, and they finished in second place. That's the best they've ever done. Uh, Micronesian Games are basically a subset of the OFC, uh, the Oceania Football Confederation. Now, there was a very minor cup that I'm not counting in this, but I'll make mention of it, the Mariana Cup, an invitational for teeny tiny countries. And uh, they won that, I believe, in 2007, 8, and 10. But countries so small and so few, in fact, that you really can't count that as a capital I international cup. Uh, the guy that got the goal, so I'll call him the key guy uh, from the first match against Singapore, was Jason Kunliff. He is their striker and plays for BOG Strikers. That stands for Bank of Guam veteran, 39 years old, played his college ball here in the States for Santa Clara University. And uh, back then, I don't know if they were only good because he was there or not, but they made the final four. That was in 2003. He's got 26 goals and 65 international appearances since 2006. They've got several players with USA connections, uh, mostly people that have gone on to play some college ball and uh, tier four or even lower developmental leagues here in the United States, not fully professional leagues by any stretch. They'll be hosting or no, I'm sorry. This is something else they do. have. I do want to mention one guy. Uh, with a particularly, uh, I'll say, unique connection to the U.S. and just that I don't see a lot of players like this. They have a guy who technically plays professional ball. I suspect it's really semifinal uh, in Tacoma named Eddie Na. He plays in a major arena soccer league, the MASL. Yeah, not even the outdoor pro stuff. Uh, he also, by the way, played for Division Three Pacific Lutheran up in Washington State. But I think the fact that uh, we're actually doing a game that's got a professional indoor soccer player is really interesting. Uh, clearly, Guam looked far and wide for their players. Team's current form, uh, well, that leg one loss, that's been their only match in 2023. So not a lot you can say there. And now Singapore. Well, this is a theme this show. Just look at around me up. There are the Lions. All right, fine. Somebody's having a laugh. Uh, FIFA ranked number 158. They've been as high as number 73. That was back in 1993. They've never qualified for a World Cup. The only time they made the Asian Cup was in 1984, and they didn't get past the group stage. However, uh, the Southeast Asian Championships, the AFF, they are the four-time champions of that. Most recent window was 2012. The most recent one was most recent one was last year, and they only uh, played in the group stage before they were eliminated. Uh, their leg one goal, one of them came from Christopher Van Huizen. He is a fullback and wigger who plays for one of their current top two or three teams in their domestic league, Lion City Sailors. It was bought by a billionaire businessman just a couple three years back. Uh, the guy who got the other one was Jacob Mahler, who is a defender, traditionally 23 years old. He's actually Danish born, but he went to school in Singapore. And actually, here's a fun fact about him. He's got a degree in aerospace engineering. That's a nice fallback after your uh, professional soccer days are done. He's made four national team appearances as all since 2018. All but two of their roster players for this national team play in the Singaporean Professional League, except 
two guys. One of them um, is the one I'll make mention of because he's he's from a soccer family that's somewhat famous in that part of the world. Uh, Ilhan Fandi. He plays false nine for them. Uh, a very offensive position. Uh, he's only 20 years old. He really wanted to play in Europe. So he went over to an English school when he was fairly young. And now he plays for a second division Belgian side called Demis. Team's current form, well, they've won two straight, and they are now 3-3-2 three, three, and two in 2023. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! To the women's side of the game one more time, a key matchup on Wednesday, the final of our main 10. It is from the UEFA Women's Champions League, which has reached its second and final qualifying round before the group stage. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. So yes, winners are going on to the group stage, the event proper, if you will. Best looking matchup to us based on the score, Valerenga out of Norway versus Real Madrid. Uh, Real, they won at their place two to one. Can the Norwegians make it up? We shall find out. They play out of Oslo. Valerenga, the club is actually named for a neighborhood out of which they play. It's very known, perhaps best known for its very teeny tiny wooden houses. Very unique architecture there. They qualified for this year's event by finishing in second place in last year's Norwegian top flight called the Top Serien. They won the league uh, the league title the previous two years, and those are their only titles, although in fairness, they've only been Division I since 2011. They're currently ranked number 16 as a club, by the way, in Europe. The first qualifying round was actually a four-team bracket, and they got to host that as the top seed, and they just barely got out of the second game of that, the first qualifying round final over uh, Celtic from over in Scotland. They played them to a 2 do draw in regular plus added time, and then went on, get this, 11-10 to on penalty kicks. Talk about taking a while. Let's get to know them a little bit. Uh, they're about three quarters of the way through the 2023 top Sierra, you know, given that they start the uh, leagues much earlier than the rest of Europe because of the weather. They are currently in second place. The defense is good. The offense is amazing. They're number one in that regard, getting two and three quarters goals per match nearly. They have the second best overall goal differential in the league. They should be qualifying for next year's Champions League as well. Key player to look for, tied for number one in league scoring with a dozen, is Olog Tevedten. I'm just going to come out and say it. Person noob earmuffs, I think Olog has got to be one of the worst bedroom names I've ever heard. Okay, earmuffs off. Uh, she plays central midfielder for them, does Olog, O-L-A-U-G. Uh, also, uh, Karina Savic, she has a dozen as well, plays center forward for them. Uh, she's a gal who has played for some of the best teams of the world, like PSG, and maybe more impressively earlier in her career, Wolfsburg over in Germany. We do have a USA connection here. They've got what I believe is a backup goalie named uh, Jalen Tompkins. Team's current form, before that leg one loss, they were unbeaten in eight straight matches. And now Real Madrid, they're late into the women's side of the game, but progressing quickly. Uh, the club was founded in 2014 independently of Real Madrid as CD, I'm going to pronounce it Tacon because they bothered to put in the acronym or the accent mark rather, but the whole name was an acronym. They were taken over by Real Madrid in 2020. They really fought wanting to start, start their own team for a long time, finally uh, reached a negotiation agreement with this one. They made the Champions League quarterfinal two years ago. Last year, they got into the group stage was all. A quarterfinal appearance is the best they've ever had. 
They are currently the number 10 ranked team in UEFA. That is good for uh, second best in their league, although it's barely ahead of the other Real Madrid team. They're 11th or 12th. They qualified for this year's Champions League as the second place finisher out of the Liga F over in Spain. Which, by the way, is ranked number three in all of UEFA. Uh, because they're ranked so highly, um, well, I'll just set the landscape. The four best teams, the champions of the best leagues, all got by straight to the group stage. Not having to play these qualifying rounds. Nine of the teams did not have to play in the first qualifying round. Real Madrid fell into that grouping. 2023-24 season is really just underway. They're only four matches in, but they've got a perfect record so far. Uh, they're and are in second place for the trouble and have a 10 and 2 goal differential going. Bring forth the bonus matches. This particular week, I only put up polls with the candidate matches for the third of the three bonus matches uh, because with it being international break and the fact that we only do club matches for these bonus match slots, there wasn't a lot to choose from. Didn't need to uh, put you to the test and see if you would vote. So let's get into it. Our first match is a first versus last place roadkill match we dramatically call the route, route, route. Route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And does it get any more dramatic than that homemade echo sound effect? I say not. A Wednesday match is what we've got here from Brazil's top flight, Serie A. Ah, they're over two-thirds of the way through the season there. The top four teams will all go to the Copa Libertadores group stage. A couple more teams will start in the qualifying rounds. The next six best will all get to go to the secondary international club tournament there in South America called the Copa Sudamericana, the equivalent of the Europa League, if you will. On the other end of things, equally, releg equally relevant here, four of the teams are going to get relegated. So yeah, there's only like four teams in this league who aren't going to be going down a league or going to an international berth that will go home to do the uh, South American equivalent of Netflixing and chill. I don't know enough Portuguese to get into that. Your matchup, last place, number 20, America MG versus number one, Botafogo. Not a team we're used to seeing there, at least the last few years. Nevertheless, Botafogo lead number B, Red Bull Bragantino, another sort of newcomer to the top, by nine points. Meanwhile, uh, America MG, they trail number 16, Bahia, by 10 points. Number 16, of course, being the lowest slot that would be safe from getting relocated. Despite the fact that they are as far apart as can be in this particular season's table, the the uh, series between these two last few seasons has been dead even, five, three, and five records. Botafogo won at their place when they played earlier this season, 2-0. And Paramount Plus, they have had a lot of the Brazilian League matches. You can catch this one there at 7 o'clock Eastern time here in the U.S. or on VIX for a Spanish-language broadcast. Uh, we'll start with the hosts, even though they are in last place, out of Belo Horizonte, Beautiful Horizon, it is AMG. Um, uh, they're also known as America uh, Futebol Clube or America Menairo. Either way, AMG, it's all the same. Uh, Belo Horizonte, by the way, is a city in the east-southeast part of the country, sixth biggest one in Brazil, about 2.7 million people in the city proper. The MG, if you're curious, stands for uh, Minas, um, I'm forgetting the G, Gervais, 
maybe like the comedian Ricky Gervais, but it's the abbreviation for the name of the state. Uh, they have won Serie B twice, uh, most recently 2017. So this is a bit of a yo-yo team. They've never won a top flight title. Last year, they would have been more likely to be found in the next bonus match coming up. You'll find out shortly as they finished in 10th place. Their offense is only a little bit below average. They do get over a goal per match, but they've got tied for the worst defense in the entire league, giving up over an astounding two goals per match. That means they're tied for the worst overall goal differential. Key players to look for, nevertheless, uh, tied for the most goals conceded per 90 minutes. He's the only guy in the league who's been giving up more than two per, and that is uh, Mateus Fernando Cavaccioli, veteran 37 years old, who is probably wishing that he had retired at age 36. Uh, for better or for worse, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, he has been out ill since late September. I'm not even sure who their backup is, but how lousy must that guy be? Uh, team MVP, if we can even use that acronym for a team in last place, Leandro Martinez, their Argentinian central midfielder, doesn't have a goal, does have four assists, uh, particularly for a centrally located player. He's not a great passer, but he is a good tracker. He tracks back very well on defense, definitely uh, more defensively oriented. Team's current form, no surprise, they're winless in five straight matches. And now coming to town, it is Botafogo. They are a club named for the neighborhood out of which they play in Rio de Janeiro. And if you like your ball blue collar style, this is not the one for you. This is a very middle upper class uh, beachside neighborhood. They are known as the Fire and they have got a great mascot. It is uh, Manaquino is what they call it. He is a urinating boy originating from a replica uh, from Brussels of the Manican piece, you know, the, uh, the, the child urinating into the fountain or the river or whatever it is. Uh, they've got a statue like that that stands near Botafoto's headquarters. I don't know which was the chicken, which was the egg here. I suspect that the statue happened to be nearby. Somebody thought it'd be cute to make it. The mascot had a sense of humor similar to me and somehow it ended up sticking, but I don't know for sure. They have won two league titles that I can say with certainty, and neither of them particularly recent, 1968 and 1995. Last year, they finished in 11th place. So, yeah, we would have found both of these teams in the next bonus match, potentially. You'll see. Uh, they are tied for number one on offense in the league, getting almost one and two-thirds goal per match. Number one defense by a lot, not even giving up three-quarters of a goal per match on average. Number one league scorer is there's the boast of. He's got 15 on the air. That is Tiquinho Soares, who's their striker. Uh, European fans will probably know him. He spent the heart of his career with Porto, one of the big three up in Portugal. On the defensive side of things, want to make note of uh, he was known simply by the moniker moniker Adrielson. He plays center back for them and is number one in clearances per 90 minutes. Uh, they've got the number one guy in clean sheets and that is 14 and save percentage by a mile. He's got almost 10% better than anybody else at 87% save rate. That is Lucas Perry. Team's current form, they're just one and one in their last two, and that followed on the heels of a three-match losing streak. Apparently, they let up a little bit once they had the league title more or less in hand, and their offense was what really disappeared over that time. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yeah.
a match so near and dear to our hearts that we can't help but celebrate it weekly in song. Your meaningless match worldwide is a Sunday match for the second division in Spain. Two teams smack dab more or less in the middle of their table, perfectly equidistant from the glory of international bursts, finishing near the top, although you wouldn't get that in division two now that I think about it, or the uh, ignominy of being relegated, in this case, down to the third division. Um, when it comes to the Segunda División in Spain, here's what you need to know. The top two teams are going to get auto-promoted into La Liga for next year. The next four teams will have a little mini-tournament, and one of them will also get to move up. On the other end of things, the bottom four out of this 22-team league will all get relegated. These two teams, oh, they have nary a care in the world when it comes to any of that stuff, hence the reason that probably nobody else is talking about them. Uh, they're only about a quarter of the way through the season. Nevertheless, number 14, Burgos versus number 12, Villarreal Bay. Yeah, La Liga's Villarreal team, their reserve team plays in this division. These are two of the three teams that are tied on 13 points at the table here early on. Series between these two is very brief. Burgos have a 1-1-0 record. Burgos, a club named after a city of the same name in the north-central part of the country, in the autonomous region of Castile and Leon, a city of about of 175,000 or so, I would say. History buffs will know that this was sort of the uh, epicenter, if you will, for uh, Franco's uh, draconian government from a few decades back. This is one of the richest cities in Spain, and that is because it is both a big manufacturing center and a huge agricultural center, particularly for wheat production. The club was founded in 1985. They've won a pair of titles from the third division, most recently 2020-2021. They have never played in La Liga, just so you know. Last year, they finished in 11th place, so we would have found them right here then as well. Uh, this year, the offense is very good, at least for this level. They're in the top third of the league, and they're getting one and a quarter goals and change per match. Their defense a bit below average, though. Their uh, defense is identical in terms of goals they've given up compared to score. They've, yeah, they've got a, a goal differential of zero. That puts them at tied for number 12 in goal differential. They should remain without meaning throughout the season. Nevertheless, uh, your key players for this match, number one scorer in the whole league by quite a bit, actually, with eight, I think second best has five, is Kuro Sanchez, plays right wing for them. He started his career with Sevilla, but he only made a few appearances for them. On the other side of things, tied for number three in clean sheets on the year, is Jose Antonio Caro. He must be directing his defense well because his save percentage, quite frankly, is for crap. He's number 18 in that regard in the league. He also started his career with Sevilla, at least on paper. He didn't actually make any appearances for them. Teams current form, they've had a win-loss pattern going for nine straight matches. And now Villarreal B. Uh, Villarreal is in the east-northeast part of the country in uh, Castellón, a city of only about 50,000, and easily the biggest industry here. If you know anything about uh, home decor products, it's known for its ceramic tiles. It's almost the only industry there, pretty much. I think 70% of the people work in it. Here's a little La Liga 2 fun fact, by the way. The reserve teams in Spain, like this one, play in the same soccer pyramid as the senior teams, unlike in England. In England, the reserve teams, they just play in their own league off to the side. Nevertheless, a couple of rules are in play. Villarreal B can never be in La Liga by rule. They can't climb up to Division One. 
They also cannot be in the same division as the senior team. And that's at any level, not just at the top flight. So let's say Villarreal, the La Liga team, were to get relegated into uh, La Liga 2, where we're, the one we're talking about right now. Villarreal B would have to move down to the division no matter how well they'd done. They could get kicked down to the third tier and just tear things up potentially. So it's a little bit strange, and yet I understand it makes it makes sense. It would uh, you'd have a lot of competitive fairness issues if you had both teams in the same league. You wouldn't want to have tanking or sandbagging or anything like that. They are known as the Mini Submarine. What a cute nickname. Uh, the last two years in La Liga 2 were their first ones there since 2011-2012. They've been in the third division for quite a while before that. This year, they've got the second best offense in the league, getting almost one and three quarters goals per match. The defense is well below average, though. They give up a full one and a half per match. They're tied for number one in goal differential. I think that they will finish in the top half of the league independent of how this particular match goes. Key players to look for, tied for second best in league scoring with five is Alex Flores. He is their center forward and just 22 years old. He is easy to pick out for his silvery white hair. So if he ever climbs to uh, the Villarreal uh, main or senior team, just look for the guy who uh, you know looks like he's got a hair color that makes him uh, you know 80 years old. Uh, number B right now in the league MVP race, in my opinion, would be their left midfielder, Javi Ontiveros. He's got four goals, three assists. He should probably have a lot more assists. He's uh, he statistically created what are called chances, and he's made 18 of those. Yeah, he should have at least double the number of assists. Number one in league save for 90 minutes at over three and a half is Iker Alvarez. He is from Andorra, just 22 years old. He's only number nine in save percentage, though. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last six. That said, not completely on fire. Their last match was a 3-1 win over number B, Espanol, but that snapped a two-draw streak. And now it is time for match unlucky number 13, the final match of the show, the third bonus match. The number 13 is probably appropriate because this is the match of disappointed. Yes, two teams that fill us with ire and consternation. They occupy the bottom slots in their league. This was the one that we did have a vote on. It was a four-way tie, so we simply picked. And it was a Wednesday match from Paraguay's Primera División, where they are in their clausura or second or closing stage, whichever you prefer, second half of the year. The bottom two in this league in a three-year coefficient table are actually the ones who are going to get relegated. They're about two-thirds of the way through the clausura stage. Your matchup for this stage, number 11, uh, Takueri versus number 12, Guarena. Takueri currently lead Guarena by one point in the table. Now, in that coefficient table that I mentioned, in other words, how many points per match have you been earning over three years? Takaweri are actually in last place in that table on aggregate. Guarani are in, uh, or Guarenio rather, are in 10th place and just barely above 11, like by hundreds of a point earned per match. So they are still very much in danger of getting relegated here in the last part of the year. Series between these two recently has been pretty even, 3-2-2 two, and two in favor of last place, Guarania. We'll talk about the hosts first, Takueri. I don't know the name meaning for sure. It might have something to do with an angel, maybe not, but I'm pretty sure that is an indigenous word of the Guarani language. 
The club was founded in 1923. They play in the Hara era or neighborhood of Asuncion. And they are known as the Pumas. Uh, their one title claim to fame, uh, Division Two. They won that in 2002. Twice, nevertheless, they have been to the Copa Libertadores. Last time was in 2007. They've never made any noise any time they were there, though. This year, the Apertura stage, they finished in last place. So they're used to being down here. Interestingly, the Clausura stage, uh, they named the stages down here for various celebratory reasons. And it is known as the uh, Clausura and then, quote, Centenario del Club Tacoeri. You know, they're being celebrated. Like I said, they're founded in 1923, 100 years ago. They're centenary. And here they are about to get kicked out of the league. Happy birthday. Open it up. Yeah, it's we don't like you anymore and you have to leave. They've got the worst offense in this league by a lot. In fact, they're the only team not scoring a goal per match on average. The defense is a little bit closer to average. They give up almost one and a half goals per match, though. They're tied for second to worst in overall goal differential. Uh, they're one modicum of shining light team leading scorer with three. Yeah. Marcelo Paredes, he plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, they are winless in their last eight matches and haven't even scored a goal in their last three. And now Guarania. I've got to be careful with the pronunciation because there's a different team called Guarani that's up near the top of the table. Oh, so similar in spelling and pronunciation. Oh, so far apart in soccer ability. These guys blow. They play out of the uh, town known as uh, Via Rica. I play town. I say town because it probably doesn't even have 60,000 people there. It's in the south central part of the nation. Culturally, it's probably the second most important city, though, after the capital. Uh, this is a place where there's still a lot of folklore tradition kept track of. And yet, by the same token, it is a huge scientific and academic center for the nation. Pretty interesting juxtaposition there. The club is a very young one, founded in 2016. Well, sort of young. Really, this was a team all the way back in 1916. They just weren't organized as a club. Once they got good enough that they got uh, promoted into the second division, uh, by football association rule in the country, they had to be refounded as a club with a certain level of organization. And then they got promoted to the top flight here after the 2019 season. In the Apertura stage, they finished in 10th place. They've got four wins in their 14, but they've only got two draws. So when they lose, they lose quite handily, it seems. They got the worst defense in the league going. They're the only team giving up over two goals per match. They do okay on offense, a little bit better than the average, one and a quarter goals per match. But overall, worst goal differential in the league. Their team scoring leader with six, amazingly, which is basically uh, probably half the team's goals, is Jose Verdon, who interestingly just left a team we talked about a couple, three weeks ago in Ecuador that's having a surprise run at the top, Mushuk Runa. So they get rid of this guy, and then all of a sudden they're having a great year. Coincidence? We don't know for sure, but maybe. Team's current form, they have lost four straight with a terribly woeful 1-11 goal differential, and it is on that appropriate dark note that we say goodbye to these sad sack bottom feeders rather than wishing them good luck or good fortune we will instead give them just what they deserve and shoo them away in our traditional fashion it was bad it was awful I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. and that's a wrap on episode 157 of soccer noob rock in america featuring person noob 
Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To my co-host and your true star of the show, Person Noob, thank you so much for everything you do and for who you are. And thank you for whatever you do, and certainly for whoever you are. Thank you to you for finding the show, making it all the way through. And uh, we hope that you will consider passing us along if you enjoyed it to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.